Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the late night show interview. Today, here with us, we've got two very special guests. Our first guest for tonight is Misria Sheikh Ali. She is a PhD student at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. She is the co-founder of the Yugma Network, which is a platform through which different student organizations, clubs, and unions across India network and collaborate on environmental issues. It's a pleasure having you on board, Misria. Thank you so much for taking our time and being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun, and I'm excited about the conversation. Today. Thank you. Um, our second guest for tonight is Aditi Bhatt. She is an ISTE NITK alumnus. She has presented papers on sustainable and resilient architecture, eco-friendly materials, and cost-effective techniques for green buildings. At IIT Bombay, Kumamoto University, Japan, she was the concrete SIG head and the social initiatives head for the year 2019-2020. Give it up for our very own Aditi Bhatt. Thank you. Thank for you. It's so nice to be back. Yes, it's been so long. It feels great to see you again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how are the both of you all doing? Kind of asking this because it's been a very different year. We have seen a global pandemic. There's been lockdown and just so much happening around the world. So, how are the both of you all doing? Yeah, it's been great actually. After all the after all the chaos for the last six months, uh, yesterday Trump uh, was uh, elected out. Yes, uh, yes, that's yes. the greatest news yes. ever. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm in the U.S. right now doing my PhD, yes. so it was a lot of celebration yesterday. We went out and we saw a lot of people, you know, outside and grabbing the snacks and. Uh, you know, celebrating, uh, but a lot more work needs to be done because election doesn't mean that, you know, yes. things that are system uh, in the US has changed. Uh, so yeah, yeah, a lot more work. And also done. the fact that US has its first very ever female vice president, that's a big deal too. I mean, that's change happening uh, there. Yes, absolutely. And the South Asian descent yes. of all and uh, African-American lineage is all says something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Aditi? How have you been? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I was supposed to be doing my master's in the US, but right. thanks to COVID, that didn't happen. So currently, I'm just interning um, um, with a professor in IIT Bombay on a subject that I'm interested in, uh, which is also um, climate change and what we're going to be talking about today. So that's interesting. Right. And, right. That's yeah. amazing that you found a silver lining to the situation and making the best use out of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, okay, let's get right into the interview. Uh, I kind of stalked the both of you on social media for research purposes. Uh, and what I noticed is, Mr. you've been very vocal and put your opinion out there, be it about politics, social cause or environmental causes or just kind of what's happening around the world. And also the kind of work that you've done with Yugma is commendable. And it's just very inspiring and empowering to see uh, someone like that. And you too, Aditi, you've been pretty vocal about your choice of lifestyle and um, personally having worked under you for social initiatives, we have seen this determined and headstrong individual that's driven an entire group of people under her towards helping make change. And the both of you just have very inspiring stories. So how did this journey begin? Like, how did it all start? And what kind of pushed the both of you towards the field of um, environmental activism? 
So basically, uh, uh, it, it started off with my uh, master's thesis, actually. And before that, I was very interested in wildlife conservation. Uh, but wildlife conservation is just one aspect of environmentalis environmentalism. And it's mostly like the you know elite who are concerned with wildlife conservation, uh, while uh, people who are on the ground and uh, who are like, um, you know, who are dependent on their everyday ecosystem for them it comes about like you know almost uh, it's it's a, it's a matter of everyday practice to conserve their surroundings and to depend on their surroundings without extracting it right. and um, so i started off with that and then my master's thesis was on uh, um, you know i started off with volunteering at my undergraduate um, uh, college uh, 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 groups, environmental groups, and then master's thesis was on nuclear energy and radiation contamination. So I went to the field while uh, nuclear energy, most people see as a political issue. Uh, it is also very deeply an environmentalist issue and it's in my field when one of the uh, one of my respondents on the, uh, during my field work told, uh, in Kodankulam told that um, even, even a stone in the way of the water that starts from the waterfalls that goes into the sea, even a stone will alter its course. That's what we believe in. And um, if, 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 you know, such kind of small intrusions are, you know, we say, we think that everything changes with such small intrusions, then uh, what about these kind of many industrial, you know, uh, complexes and nuclear power plants that pollute? Uh, what do you think our understanding of it would be? They asked me that question. And I was like, yes, nuclear energy is also an environmental movement as much as a political and sociocultural movement. And uh, they started my journey uh, to work very hardly against and staunchly against environmental in, uh, injustices and destruction and to work towards environmental justice. Oh, that's, that's amazing. What about you, Aditi? How did it start for you? The start of my journey isn't as inspiring as uh, mysterious. I don't think I... And I also, I don't think I became um, environmentally conscious um, due to a specific event, circumstance, or, you know, even overnight. Um, but what uh, pushed me towards environmental awareness is, can probably be um, credited to my upbringing and my parents who promoted an eco-friendly and minimalist lifestyle. Right. And I was also um, reading and hearing about environmental issues and also about eco-warriors who are actively working towards alleviating these issues. And that resonated with me. So even during my engineering degree, I was naturally drawn to subjects and projects and ideas to solve these issues. So I think that's how it began for me. And um, I'm trying to you know, build a career around these subjects because that's what truly interests me. So yeah. Right. Right, that's amazing too. Mistria, um, we have to talk about the Yugma Network. I mean, the kind of work that you guys do is amazing. Um, how did the Yugma Network begin? What is the origin story? Yes, I'm excited about telling the origin story. Uh, so maybe, yeah, it, it's almost an overnight origin story. It's like, you know, some sort of an overnight thing that wow. happened. Okay. And, yeah, and, um, uh, you know, Many of us would have seen on social media that we've been like getting volunteers and we are like, you know, uh, uh, followed our campaign against draft EIA and taking exactly. up. Exactly. Yes. It's amazing. And that music video that you guys put out is just wonderful. I loved it. I mean, I personally love music and the fact that um, you guys used music as a medium to put across a very important message. And at the end of the video, you guys translated it into different languages. It was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Continue. 
thing. That's great to know. Thank you so yeah. much. And yeah. uh, when the music video came out, actually, I was I was yet not introduced to Yugma. I joined Yugma one month after much of the work had started, oh, and uh, Nitya from Yugma uh, had actually asked me to uh, come and join them. So that was wonderful, and I think I, I'm always inspired by the team there. And we we basically you know started off with you know um, EIA uh, campaign, and you know like around 15 of us thought that we have to coordinate a letter spam, and uh, you know write a letter to the ministry and. Uh, uh, what we did was basically we organized around 120 plus student clubs, unions, legal aid clinics, and other student bodies. And the movement picked up momentum even before we thought. And literally it went off from 10 of us talking overnight to you know hundreds of people getting on board. What we realized is basically um, the people on the ground did not uh, you know understand what EIA was because it was in English and that right. did not reach people at all. Uh, it did, it did it like it did not even reach people. And uh, the moment we saw that through, we saw the problem in environmentalism, environmentalism of how it has been managed by elite you know, concerns and people who can understand English and stuff like that. Although there are a lot of movements that is happening across India on the local level, right? So we brought these two together that we will put out all our content in local languages and also translate the EIA itself but um, and along with that, we wanted to make sure that we connect, you know, um, national level environmental issues with ground level re social realities like casteism, uh, like you know, uh, indigenous the the you know the exploitation of Adivasis and uh, right. so on and so forth. So this is how we started. Oh, wonderful. Um, okay, Aditi, we have to talk about the fact that you're vegan and you were vegan in NITK. So, I mean, let's start off with your days in NITK with the quote-unquote delectable mess food uh, and with the concept of <laughs> veganism just recently having gained momentum. Tell us a little bit about the stereotypes that were thrown at you and the myths that you kind of heard and how did you successfully go about with your choice of being vegan? Yeah, thank you for asking me this question, Neha. Um, I think any conversation regarding um, the environment and uh, individual impact is incomplete if we don't talk about a plant-based diet. And um, the latest UN IPCC report uh, includes recommendations uh, for policy changes with respect to world's, the world's meat consumption and also believes that if we were to reach the 1.5 degrees Celsius target, um, even if we completely shift to renewables, we will still have to change the way we eat in order to achieve that goal. So I right. think that's a very important thing to be dis discussed. Yes. And uh, being vegan in a veg mess in the hostel was actually not that hard for me. Um, I just had to exclude like some of the um, dairy items. And otherwise, a lot of the meals that I was having and my friends were having were pretty much the same. Yes. And I think the major myth is that it is nearly impossible to do that. Uh, that is to follow a plant-based diet. Not just in the mess, but I think people think that it is impossible to do that even if they're, you know, living by themselves. And I think that a lot more conversation uh, has to be done and a lot more work has to be done even in the market to make it more accessible to people. Right. And I don't disagree with the fact that it takes patience and effort to actually take that step and make that change, especially uh, when options and alternatives here in India are not as accessible as they are in other countries like Canada, the US, and other European countries. Right. And of course, I do get to hear a lot of 
shallow, uninformed jokes about my diet uh, when I'm in social circles. It's yeah. actually, honestly, uh, one of the hardest parts about, you know, following this lifestyle. And but I think it's all worth it when, you know, the land and water use, biodiversity loss, ocean acidification, animal exploitation, antibiotic resistance, so many other issues are involved. So I think um, it is high time that people start cutting down at least on their meat and dairy consumption and start incorporating a plant-based um, plant-based options. And although a lot of major environmental organizations like Greenpeace um, did not speak about this in the beginning, they are uh, now spreading awareness. They're um, making videos and using social media to spread awareness regarding the same. I think the latest documentary by um, Sir David Attenborough on um, the planet has also focused on this topic. So, yeah. Right. So I think a small change in your everyday lifestyle can bring about a huge impact when done collectively and very rightfully said. Okay, um, guys, let's address the fact that today we live in a world where people, even in the highest positions of power, I mean, let's, for example, take Trump. I mean, he is no more in power, but we've heard him make the most crude and ridiculous remarks about activists who fight for the most pressing issues faced by the world. And even personally, I was talking to one of my friends, Shruti, and asking her what is probably the most hateful and ridiculous comment you've heard about the work that she does in this field. And she had to say that someone told her that your work is supporting terrorism. I was just blown away by that comment. And I couldn't believe that someone said that. Uh, I mean, in the midst of such lack of foresightedness, how do you think one can go about with activism? Ms. Ria? Yes, um, that's really a very, uh, you know, uh, vision-like question. And uh, uh, I, I have seen personally, like I work very uh, closely with activists across India, especially on radiation contamination. And, um, and even in the US, I've met several activists. And I've seen personally of how much their social power and their, their social power is weakened, their mental health is tested, and that individual, uh, you know, physical health is also it is also not taken care of because they have so much to fight day in and day out, so many court cases to go to, and it's so un unbelievable how dissent, which is an important part of democracy, has now become uh, a sort of uh, a, a sort of thing that we have to sacrifice for, almost like a martyr, like. Right. It's, one of the democratic systems allows for dissent, while dissent actually should be a part of democracy. Uh, it was imagined to be a part of democracy. And what I think can be done about with activism is that yes, right now we can't just say that we have to do, uh, you know, we have to just go and protest and that's about it. Everything will be taken care of because we are really, really in urgency as much as we have to think clearly through this urgency because climate change is real and there's probably seven years before we can, you know, before we go to a place where it's irreversible and stuff. So um, I do think that at, at individual level, there's a lot of changes that needs to be done. And um, um, like, you know, adopting different uh, diets and diets that will, you know, make us, uh, that is also activism and diets that will make us dependent on our immediate surroundings more than, you know, any sort of international dependence and stuff like that, because this is not working out the amount of uh, 
transport and industrial cost that goes into all of this. It uh, goes into all of, you know, this global, global world is not really working out. So we have to really, really go local. And the, uh, that's at the individual level. But at the structural level, we need to constantly protest. And this is where it's more important. Industrial pollution is a huge component and how industries, the amount of in, uh, technologies that industries bring to our houses and increases the domestic pollution that we create is also stunning. Uh, so the uh, so we have to change and work towards social, uh, you know, questioning the current way of how we organize society, how it is so dependent on industrialism and, you know, uh, individual comfort and so on and so forth. So we have to change it. We have to question and this can be done powerfully by dissent. And another thing that we can do is to make the make the countries even today as we are speaking has we have more uh you know point in saying we have such an emphasis in saying that we have to make the leaders around the world realize what votes can do what we can do what the power of people and power of people with voting rights can do and lastly it's not just people who have who, who have voting rights can also vote for people like trump right, right. so um, what we have to do is to raise consciousness. We have to raise consciousness. We have to reach, there, there is already a lot happening on local level. We have to reach to them and bring them to the mainstream uh, and, you know, in the nooks and crannies of India. So it's going to be a three-level approach. One is individual change. Second is questioning the social, uh, social structures through dissent and vote. And third thing is questioning the social structures through consciousness raising that could be the model for activism and social justice should always be the vision to have inclusivity and anti-exclusion all around. Right, wonderful. What about you, Aditi? What do you have to say about this? Um, I think I completely agree with what Nisriya just um, said. Um, I think large scale impacts of changes can only happen when people in power are challenged to take action and act responsibly. And I think the project I'm working on uh, currently helped me understand that better. Um, the project I'm working on mainly focuses on green infrastructure for urban flooding under climate change. And as I increase my knowledge base in this domain and read more about how these systems are actually implemented in countries like Canada, Australia, for instance, um, I understand the importance of effective governance and policy changes that encourage the implementation of such solutions and having bylaws and regulations in place coupled with effective governance is necessary i think and i think it can also start with demanding changes in our local municipalities maybe because this is something i've observed in my locality recently on demanding for a proper waste segregation system um, transportation and disposal actions were surprisingly taken and now there is a good waste collection and segregation system in place so i think like she mentioned it is important to raise our voices and social media has definitely helped build that momentum to raise our voices and concerns too but while i think um, it is important to you know raise our voices like i mentioned earlier i also think activism somewhere should begin with educating yourself challenging your own beliefs and understandings and maybe actively taking steps to reduce your impact. Right, right. Wonderfully said. Um, okay, now moving on to uh, Ms. Ria, can you like tell us a little bit more about the various endeavors that have been taken up by Yugma uh, and what are the future plans that you guys have for environmental activism? 
Yeah, uh, thank you so much for this question. And uh, as I told, uh, it's from EIA, we sort of um, got the idea that, you know, um, um, uh, English does not reach many people on ground and they have their own ideas, perspectives and their voice that want to emphasize for environmental justice. Uh, and so we started off, uh, we have started off with a few initiatives which aligns with it. Like we have a language society uh, with over 70 youth currently working in 12 Indian languages. So we translate much of the content and uh, much of the campaigns that we are doing into uh, different Indian languages. And we you know, share it with the people and uh, we make sure it reaches them. Uh, we also make videos that are multilingual, bringing perspectives about climate change, about environmental injustice from across India, like the one that we did for the International Climate uh, Day, uh, International Climate Change Day, and um, in, uh, and then we also the one that we also did for um, uh, Farmers Act. Uh, so, and then secondly, we have an environmental justice clinic which is basically a bunch of law students from across India who come together and they're, and they're actually providing legal aid uh, to ensure environmental justice. Right. And um, third, uh, this all been coordinated by 30 members and uh, our future, our current projects, uh, a few of our current projects is a team. And uh, what we are doing is uh, we are focusing on bringing alternatives, facilitating alternatives and policy and legal interventions at both, a at both local level and national level. And we have a storytelling platform that we have just started, the Narratives Project, uh, which will bring environmental, uh, which will actually make environmental listen into a social cultural and political issue and economic issue not just about nature and conservation of trees and life we've right. been having a campaign on air pollution and the farms act again uh, like you know to understand the farms act is something that is environmentally um, unjust not just uh, 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 an, an act that affects the socio-economic welfare of the farmers but also the environment itself and we we have a research group that's working on renewable energy with over 20 youth working in it. Um, so, and we, we have taken up campaigns on different floodings that's happening across India. Uh, Tano, we have been uh, protect, trying to protect the farm of, of forest and, give, and giving them, you know, amplifying their voice in our social media platform. So these are the bunch of things that we are doing. It's It's absolutely commendable to see the kind of work that you guys are doing. And I think that's, also showing with the amount of support and following that's um, being seen on your social media platforms. So yeah, I mean, also guys, let's talk about what are the current pressing environmental issues in our country that need to be talked about and dealt with. I mean, things that are not that out in the open that people are unaware of. Um, like maybe we could talk about that and bring that to light. So yes, absolutely. And um, um, thank you for this question. Current pressing environmental issue. Uh, if anyone has, you know, stayed up and watching the news or anything of late for the last two years, is that last year it was all about drought, and this year is all all, all about flooding. And India is actually facing serious repercussions from climate change. This is not the time when we open our forest, which balances our, um, you know, ecosystem, to, you know. Uh, to industrial activities. This is not the time for us to think about profit, for us to think by centering profit. Uh, 
or think about profit at all, right? And uh, there's a sea level submergence that's happening across uh, India. And one thing that, one pressing environmental issue is that we don't see our cities as our environment. Right. And what it does to the uh, ecosystem of India and countries that surround India, right? We don't see that. We don't see, as, uh, what we want to do is also broaden this definition of environment. What kind of environment, built-in environments that we get into? And how are we depending on the resources that's in the immediate surrounding of those built-in environments, like cities, right? So that is some that we have to focus on how climate change is impacting, and we have to understand whatever is happening, the severe climate events that we are, weather events that we are facing, uh, is to do a lot with uh, climate change now, and um, I think that's one of the most pressing environmental issues. Right. What do you have to say, Aditi, about this? Um, I think this answer might be a little a little long, but um, I think by now everyone is aware of the projects in Goa and how that could potentially lead to the doom of the Western Guards. And I think everyone is also doing great work spreading um, uh, awareness about that as well. And uh, the reason why, although this isn't the less known uh, pressing issue in the country, uh, the reason why I want to talk about it is because it has a lot to do with the biodiversity of the country as a whole and a lot of other issues which are interlinked with this. So um, I won't go into the details of what's happening because I'm pretty sure that everyone can go read about it or already knows about it. But basically, th these projects in Goa will lead to something called forest fragmentation, where you know the darts are um, split into different zones. But since they're so interdependent uh, and sensitive, doing this could lead to a sort of a domino effect that can in turn to, um, uh, lead to the whole ecosystem uh, collapse. And um, it is also predicted that doing this could uh, potentially increase the temperature by 2 degrees Celsius by 2050. And like Nisriya mentioned, that will once again lead to major flooding. And um, other than that, there will be so many man-animal conflicts, so much of a uh, change in the hydrologic regime of the area. And even after what has happened, that is a pandemic of this um, scale, and since we already know that these kind of things happen more and they will happen more frequently if man constantly intrudes into biodiverse and eco-sensitive areas. I think we should really think about how we deal with such issues. And another major reason why this is important is because recently I read this um, the, uh, report by WWF, uh, the Living Planet Report 2020, and it sadly paints a grim picture uh, of the future as a world has actually missed the 2020 biodiversity goals. And it suggests that there are no signs of slowing down yet and that we are moving towards the point of no return. And that I think is pretty scary. Yeah. And, although, and I, I also read that um, the same uh, report was reviewed by um, a senior fellow from an organization called AP in Bangalore. And he says that although India has done very well in terms of biodiversity so far, now there are so many new issues and problems that we're having to deal with uh, uh, currently. And I think it's all the more, he said it's all the more important that we, you know, save whatever is left, remnant biodiversity left in our country. And um, yeah, and another major issue in the country is what uh, Ms. Ria mentioned, the, the, there, there will be an acute water crisis by 2040 or 2050 in 30 major cities in India. And water risks could range from 
range from droughts to flooding. And we already know that there is compelling scientific evidence that these are caused due to anthropogenic um, factors and human-induced changes. And um, yeah, so I think we have a lot to do in the coming 10 years and probably going to be a very critical phase for our country. Right. right. It is very scary to hear, uh, but at a ground level, how do you think we can work towards solving these uh, prevalent issues in our country? Starting off with maybe addressing it more towards college students and um, how we can help contribute. Yeah, I think, um, I guess it starts with, um, on a, you know, um, I, I think it starts with becoming more aware of what we should do on an individual level of capacity and also actively demand change action and create awareness but i really honestly don't know for sure how much of a difference we can make if, if not for a resolute political will and action we don't have much time in our hands and i guess we can't afford to be complacent anymore and i don't i don't think it is um, uh, the time is right to take small slow steps we need to start acting fast and find solutions that can have a larger impact. Mm -hmm. And uh, like Misriya mentioned, we need to start switching to um, better alternatives. But, um, and I think we need more research, uh, research as well to find solutions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but to be honest, even if we wanted to make a switch to these cleaner and greener options, I'm not sure if every sector has um, uh, a viable solution yet. Although there is research in the pipeline, from what I read and understand, we still need a lot more work to actually be able to make this a viable and accessible solution. So I think one thing that students can do, at least students like us who are interested in contributing to uh, this sector, is we can um, get involved in research that can actually help make these options and alternatives more viable and accessible, or research that has something to do with um, um, uh, these options or you know, it could be it could be any sector, um, any field you're choosing. Um, if you're interested in doing something related to sustainability, there is always an option to create alternatives and um, solutions. So I think that's something we can do as students. And like I mentioned, there's so much we can do on an individual level. So and it all starts with a mindset of minimalism, thinking before we act, understanding whether we really need something we are buying, um, uh, really need something that we are consuming in general. So I think it, um, um, that's something all of us can do in general. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much, Aditi and Mistria, for being here tonight. I just personally feel a lot more inspired and aware after this conversation, and I'm sure uh, it will do the same to a lot more people. I wish you both all the very best in your future endeavors. Thank you so much again. Um, yeah, and with that, we have come to the end of this segment.